0: Helping to diversify the industry. This week on Business of the Beast. The
1: robots is a thing I built, but it's the people that really brought it together. And that's my superpower is being able to be that bridge between different people and in being a leader in that way. So I might not have the specialized knowledge to do the electrical or you know, certain mechanical elements, but what I'm good at is knowing what other people are good at and putting that together.
0: Hi, everyone. I'm your host, Kendra Bracken-Ferguson, and welcome to Business of the Beat. Today's guest is Karen Lee, founder and CEO of Glow Beauty. But before we get started, don't forget to follow, rate, and subscribe to Business of the Beat on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, or anywhere else you listen to podcasts. You don't want to miss an episode, and your ratings and reviews mean so much to us. All right, everyone, a lifelong shopaholic, Karen is determined to make shopping better for people and the planet. After working in and studying retail, she is bringing to life an e-commerce experience built on the psychology and existing pain points of beauty lovers. On a mission to reimagine e-commerce in an age of conscious consumerism, Glow Beauty is the first and only consumer-to-consumer marketplace dedicated exclusively to makeup, skincare, and beauty products. Karen, welcome to Business of the Beat. I'm so excited to have you on the show today. Kendra, I'm so excited to be here. It is like, you know, I said I was looking at you on social media watching your videos and I'm like, she is so full of energy. You're so informative. So I'm excited to jump in. And first, I have to congratulate you as being one of 25 women for the Amazon Web Services Impact Accelerator. Congratulations. Thank you so much. It's been an absolute whirlwind of a time. They
1: announced the Accelerator at the beginning of August. By the end of August, I was in an interview. And just two weeks before the program started in Seattle, I found out I got in. So we're about halfway through the Accelerator right now. And the AWS team feels like an extension of our team here at GLOW. And everything that they've poured into this program has been absolutely Amazing in terms of the their willingness to jump in and help us out, and all the other founders feel like I know that they're going to be some of my
0: closest friends for the rest of my founder journey for sure. Wow, you know I love to hear that, and especially when we think about kind of the founder ecosystem. I, I think when I built my first company and even my second company, actually all my companies, but so much of it is tapping into like my founder friends, people that I kind of grew up with that I started with. And so, you know, people talk a lot about networking, but what you've been able to create and going through that journey is so special because only founders understand what founders are going through in terms of being in the weeds of the day to day.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I found that it was really hard to get things going during the pandemic and things really turned around once I started being able to network and meet other founders in person. And I know that a lot of networking, especially for founders, people think that you need network with investors and like VCs, angels, but the best connections I've made are actually through other founders and they understand what you're going through. And it's really amazing to have, especially founder friends who are just one step ahead of you so that you can ask them for advice. And I feel like I finally got to the point where there are founders who are a little bit newer to entrepreneurship than I am. And I'm able to now give them advice
0: on my experience. So that has been really cool. That's always a great feeling. What did they say that you need? I think it was Michelle Obama. You need people that stand next to you. You need people that come behind you to support and you need people in front of you to truly have a network. So that's amazing. So wait, so you had to go to Seattle in two weeks? Is that, did you stay in Seattle? Yeah, I was in Seattle for
1: one week. The week before I was actually in San Francisco, I had some investor meetings there. Um, so it, I called, I told my mom, I was like, cancel my flight home and go to Seattle. (laughs) And when I told my mom, I got into the accelerator, she didn't believe me. She's like, okay, then what you go to Seattle and then, then what do you have to do? What are they looking for? And I was like, no, mom, I'm in. Cause we're so (laughs) used to hearing no's from everyone that she's like, what's the catch? What's, and i was like no mom like this is it i've made it i i got no. in uh-
0: <laughs> <laughs> i love that i made it you're like no 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 it's it's real it's real we're here well i yeah. am so excited and i can't wait to talk more about glow experience but before we get to it we had this super fun rapid fire segment and so your rapid fire is called glow As in G-L-O-W. So we're doing a little play on words here. Um, So I'm going to ask you three statements and you just fill in the blank. Okay? Okay. All right. The first one, the makeup product that always makes me glow is blank. The Westman Atelier Super Loaded Tinted Highlighter
1: in Podepesh.
0: Oh my goodness. You go, girl. You were like, I've got this. I've got this. I was reading how you were like, I didn't know much about beauty, but now I can tell you every ingredient, every (laughs) everything that exists. (laughs) I'm a real nerd that way. It's the best kind of nerd. Um, All right. The next one, when blank I experienced the biggest business or personal glow up.
1: Mm. When I
0: got into the AWS impact accelerator. Nice! That's a huge glow up. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And the last one is, I always glow with happiness when blank.
1: I always glow with happiness when I get to go on a walk with my dog in the forest and in nature. I try to do that as much as I can, but it's been, she hasn't gone out all week. I feel bad, like mama's working, bad I'm working. <laughs> I know, I
0: know. <laughs> well, and it's good too, because we have to figure out moments to, I believe, like get outside. I think within the first few hours of waking up, you need that like fresh air to just mm-hmm. like get your brain and your energy and everything going.
1: Yeah, I need the sunshine and to feel that, to feel alive and like get the fresh air. Being outside is super important to me. So all the... Activities I do outside of work, other than reading, because I do love a good, you know, romance novel. Um, <laughs> it's always outside. I'm always outside, unless it's raining. I hate rain, but otherwise... Other than that, <laughs> you're like, I'm outside. Otherwise, I love it.
0: <laughs> well, I want to jump in, and I want to start with this quote that... I read that you wrote back in 2021 and you said, so when someone says that I'm brave for having the courage to bet on myself, it's never felt like a choice. It's either do this now or run out of time and regret not having tried. I just need to be able to say I did the best I could, regardless of whether that's judged by others or as success or failure. So I love that. And you do a lot of writing. And I wanted to start with that quote because as an entrepreneur, it, it is, it's about betting on yourself, taking the risk and doing the best you can. So when you think back to 2021 and even before 2021, tell us a little about your your journey and your story and kind of how you came to be part of the AWS Accelerator and dropping these gems.
1: Yeah, so... I guess my story really starts back when I was first introduced to technology and everything. So I grew up in competitive robotics. I joined that when I was about 12. Um, and I was so passionate about building up our team and I was obsessed with our team was like, by the way, the worst in the region. And that's like not even. An exaggeration. I mean, like, we were literally dead last. And by some miracle, my first year on the team, we won because of the way the competition works. The first seeded teams picked us to join their alliance, and I got to go to the world championship in Atlanta. And, like, 12-year-old wow. me in this huge city, uh, was it was very exciting. Um, but then the next year, all those girls graduated, and it was an all-girls robotics team, by the way, um, which is why I'm always wow. like, oh, the girls, girls. It's because... We were an all-girls team in a very male-dominated world. But anyways, we didn't win anything the following year, and I hated that feeling. So I became obsessed with doing whatever I could to win. And that's when I looked to the best teams in the region. I started asking them questions. I was like, how did you do it? What did you do? And started using that as a blueprint to build things. And that was really, like, my first – I didn't realize at the time, but my first – kind of entrepreneurial journey was trying to figure out how to, you know, um, build something, have a vision, and then build towards that. So that was kind of my six years. I really thought I was going to go into engineering because I was so involved with robotics. But what I realized in my graduating year in my senior year of high school was that the robots is a thing I built, but it's the people that really brought it together. And that's my superpower is Being able to be that bridge between different people and in being a leader in that way. So I might not have the specialized knowledge to do the electrical or, you know, certain mechanical elements. But what I'm good at is knowing what other people are good at and putting that together. So I decided to go to school for business. But uh, my business school had a special program where it only starts in the third year. So the first two years, you could study anything you wanted. So I studied art history because it's the absolute opposite of engineering. (laughs) And then I went into business, and it was a very interesting environment for me. uh, It was a very traditional business school, so you either go into management consulting or investment banking. And I was like, "Uh, maybe not. So that's when I went into grad school because when you don't want to do – job and be an adult (laughs) you go and do more school but I got to study international business internationally which is the best way to do it I think so I worked for a rum company in Nicaragua for two months then I went to Tsinghua in Beijing for a semester and then Bocconi in Milan for a semester and my final thesis project was with LVMH and niche fragrances and that's when I started asking a lot of questions about beauty products because I was around these beauty counters and of course I'm doing all this market research in Milan Everyone only speaks Italian there. So I can only learn so much. So I'm constantly online watching all these beauty YouTubers talk about these products. And I'm like, finely milled. What does that mean? And all the beauty products I had at the time, I could apply with my fingers. So and I knew the goal was to not look like a zombie when I show up to class in the morning. So that's kind of like where my baseline was. So I graduate. Well, and then... I go back to the States and I sign up for literally every subscription box there was for beauty products because I'd been reading about them online. So in the course of about a year, I accumulated over 700 beauty products, which wow. is insane. And for background, I did my undergrad and grad school like concurrently. So I did three degrees in like five wow. and a half years. Um So I, I was taking a gap year. So in that gap year, I was just kind of exploring anything that I was interested in to kind of find my path. Um, and I just got sucked into the beauty world and started asking questions, like digging deeper and being like ingredients, like, what does this mean? What does this do? And just going down this deep, deep rabbit hole. So I had hundreds of products and I had no idea what to do with them. I at that point had found out like pretty much what I like and what I didn't like. Um, and that's when I stumbled upon hundreds of thousands of women on Facebook groups, Buying and selling beauty products with each other. And in this horribly inefficient way of DMing each other, um, creating these albums with hundreds of photos, commenting, invoicing each other through PayPal. And if there's anything that I hate most, it's operational (laughs) inefficiency. (laughs) Okay? (laughs) Okay. Because I'm like, there's obviously a better way to do this. And we can use technology. Also, at that time, there were so many marketplaces, you could sell clothes, you could sell cars, there were like, at least three different sneaker marketplaces, but there was nothing for beauty. And in my opinion, it's because Silicon Valley tech bros who get funded to build these tech companies and marketplaces just don't have a beauty product hoarding problem. So it's just <laughs> this like complete blind spot to the tech world. So I was like, think about going into product management because that's kind of the bridge between business and engineering and a lot of tech companies. And I was like, that's what I'm good at. So I was going through the job process interview um, and for one of the projects, I had to create an app where I was helping people find the subscription box items they wanted. So I was doing user research. I didn't get the job, but this idea was just totally stuck in my head because I kind of had like the foundations for the algorithm for matching people with the things I wanted. Um, and after like eight months of looking for a job, my mom really encouraged me. She's like, you won't shut up about <laughs> this whole beauty buying and selling phenomenon. She's like, you can just pursue that. If you think there's a real business opportunity And, and yeah, so that's when I launched subswaps, the first version of what glow was. And eventually we found out that like, people don't really care about like swapping their subscription box items. The bigger problem is that people have too many beauty products and that creates a lot of waste in the industry. And majority of these products aren't recyclable. So as we buy more things, the brands are going to manufacture more new products that, aren't going to ever fill their useful life. I think, like, think of the last time you totally finished an entire foundation bottle before it turned funny. (laughs) So much of it just gets cast aside before it's done. And those are all like perfectly good, useful products. So, you know, I had a prototype talked to hundreds of users and where we're at now is that we have an MVP, it's live. You can go to shop.glow.co. And the listing process is 30 times faster than any other consumer marketplace, because the problem with beauty sellers is that you're not just trying to list like a pair of jeans or a pair of sneakers. On average, beauty sellers are trying to list 100 products at a time. And that is what makes this space so fascinating for me as both a technical problem and also a business opportunity. Um, so, so yeah, that's kind of the long-winded way of how I got here and how I'm now in this really cool accelerator trying to make this platform better and faster for beauty consumers
0: everywhere. Oh, my gosh, Karen, I love this story. And there's so many components to it. And I think it's really interesting, especially now being able to combine robotics and tech into beauty. And you're right. When you think about, as you say, the bros that are out raising money, like there's this missed element, right? And so being positioned to say, I'm passionate about this. I'm trying to solve a problem. I need to figure out operational efficiencies. I absolutely love that. And turning it into a business, like that's the true mark of the fun piece and innovation that I think founders have whenever they can combine what they're doing. So I want to break this down because you did mention kind of the sneaker resale market. And what we know is that the global resale market is set to reach 77 billion by 2025. And it's really due to the rise of marketplaces like GOAT for sneaker lovers, the real real for luxury fashion. So there's really never been a better time to do what you're doing. And I have to say, I set up an account, no one will know my name, but I have an amazing account and you're right. The process is literally three minutes. You're loading up all your photos, you're tagging it. So talk about this moment when you said, I'm going to launch and your business model to take what you've seen in places like Goat, looking at the market, but then really drilling down into beauty and getting the process so streamlined.
1: Yeah, so... Really, every element of our user flow has been informed by user interviews. It's really people who are buying and selling in the market today and listening to what they hate about the alternatives out there and the ad hoc solutions that beauty lovers have kind of cobbled together over time. So making thing, making the listing process really fast was kind of the easiest part for me to solve at a high level, the actual <laughs> <laughs> implementation of the machine learning is we're almost there. Um, it's kind of there, but I mean, on the front end, the users will never know that it's quite manual still on the back end. But we're still getting all that data to train the models. Um, and when it comes to things that make our marketplace like really different, is one the shopping experience. It does not feel like browsing eBay or Poshmark where you just see tons of ugly user-generated images. We have a standardized merchandising, so it feels like you're shopping more of a traditional e-commerce website. And then we nest all the listings for specific products underneath a product page. Kind of like if you were trying to buy Michelle Obama's Becoming on Amazon and you wanted to buy it used from a seller, you go to the becoming page and then you find all the people who are trying to sell it used underneath that page. So that's kind of what the browsing experience is like. We have one card checkout and super transparent pricing. So we have the seller set their own shipping because unlike other marketplaces, we're not making money off of shipping because the goal here was never to try and nickel and dime the people were trying to help the most it was always about saving people time <laughs> you know like i have this problem i need it solved and that was kind of like what what would i like as a consumer first of all is what drives a lot of the business decisions because i love online shopping when i was like 14 i probably had my parents credit card memorized. So I could like buy things online, um, (laughs) which is probably terrible. I don't know. I don't know if they know that, Um, (laughs) but I know what an amazing online shopping experience should be like. And it is not in consumer marketplaces right now. So I think if I make a marketplace experience not feel like a marketplace, I would want to shop it and use it. And I think other people would too.
0: Well, and I love how you're taking your own experience and then also listening to the consumers and combining that with the technology. So for our listeners who may not understand the machine learning piece of it, can you just give a high-level machine learning, why it's important and how it, how it's differentiating you, especially in beauty? Because I think beauty can use machine learning and AI to do so much. So if you could just cover that quickly.
1: Of course. Okay, so... Basically, the whole purpose of bringing machine learning into the listing creation process is that if I, with my own eyes, can see a picture of the thing you're trying to sell and tell you what it is, I can teach a computer to recognize that product as well. And I, when I'm reading from a picture, I can read the label. Um, I can usually see the brand name, the product type, you know, the product size, that is not proprietary information. And we can use a combination of something called natural language processing, as well as computer vision, which are subsets of machine learning. And that is the best way to say it is like what I see with my eyes and process. I'm teaching a computer to do that as well. And, what we're doing is looking right now for the words on a label, which is why we always ask people to take a picture of the actual product and not just the box or, you know, like the opened palette. We want to see the actual label on the bottom that tells you exactly what it is. So that's what we're doing with machine learning, because if I can look at a picture and tell you what a product is, that means that that information is not exclusive to you, the seller. So I'm saving you time by not having you write down the brand and all the product information. And what we do on our end is we match what we see in that picture to our database of all these products and we assign it to a product page. Because when people are shopping for beauty products, I'm not necessarily shopping for Kendra's foundation collection of shades that are just a little bit off for her. I'm probably looking very specifically for, I want the Fenty soft matte foundation um, in a specific shade. Um, And then I'll see who's looking for that. So we're kind of replicating, you know, the natural shopping process and also trying to replicate like the listing process as well as another person would do it, but trying to use technology to augment the speed. I think you asked me to explain that in a more clear manner, and I think I made it more
0: complicated than it needed to be. <laughs> no, oh, Karen, you are fantastic. I love, I love predictive analytics. I love machine learning. I love all of it, and I just, I, I it's great hearing you talk about it because I want listeners to also understand the different faucets of beauty, right, and how you can participate yes. in the industry. And we talk so much about STEM and tech, and it really is the future. And I think for what you're building, you know, you talk about what we can do with our own eyes and what technology can do. When we think about Globe Beauty, it's the fastest marketplace platform for sellers. And that is really important. And in order to grow and scale, which is what we all wanna do with our companies. <laughs> You have to have technology. Like you, can cannot yes. sit there and look at all the labels. So I want to talk about, we've got the technology piece. You are the fastest marketplace. You have single cart checkout, which is fantastic. You also have flat rate shipping. Let's talk about this innovative notion of rehoming. Let's talk about this because rehoming, whenever you think about sellers being able to rehome their makeup, skincare, and other beauty products, That truly is the new wave of recycling and sustainability. So talk about rehoming. Okay,
1: so we specifically use the words underloved products and rehoming because beauty consumers, as we know, are very emotional about the products that we bring into our homes. It feels really wrong to just throw things out. So with that, we're borrowing some of the language from like pet adoptions. To, you know, give Ah. something a new home. Um, And because I've also, I have a pretty extensive history of working in retail as well. And the way that the buyers buy things, it's like they buy a little more than whatever was sold last season. So if we create less demand for new things, less things will be produced and less things will end up in landfills at, at the end of the day. And the beauty industry just isn't incentivized to do anything about reducing their waste because the margins are so high so really when it comes to the beauty industry a lot of this movement towards sustainability and a circular economy has to come from the consumers and us saying and voting with the power of our dollars like this is what we want and a lot of times just like having recyclable packaging is really difficult in beauty because of the different components that go into even a lip gloss tube. You have the tube that has the product in it. There's a swiper that makes sure that not everything comes out at the top. And then you have the wand and you have the screw cap part that attaches the wand so you can put it into the tube. (laughs) And those are all mixed materials. So there's not a single stream of plastic. So it's really hard to recycle. Um, So what we want to do is make sure that all these products that are produced and are out in the world already, get to fulfill their useful life before they end up, you know, in landfill. But what's more is that Glow, we really want to try and close the loop on circular packaging and beauty. And we've partnered with the leader in the beauty space. They're called Pact Collective. And we work with them to try and divert all these empties back to a specialized recycling facility in New York, so that they can break down all these beauty empties into their different materials so like a number 5 plastic a number 2 plastic metal glass so that those materials are sold back into the beauty industry to be reborn as new beauty products but right now that's kind of a disjointed process so as we're you know going out into the world and telling people to hey rehome all these amazing beauty products through our platform we're also saying but Not everything can be safely, you know, resold on the marketplace, especially when it comes to beauty. So for those things, rinse them out and we will pay for all the shipping and recycling costs to send them to the facility in New York that PACT runs. And yeah, that is pretty much the gist of what we're trying to do with, you know, rehoming.
0: I love it because... When we think about sustainability, we think about inflation, we think about global warming, like all of these things that are contributing to it. And I think that every brand has to think about their own footprint. And to your point, when we start to think about margins, Mm -hmm. because there is this notion of we're running businesses, we're, we're trying to run smart, profitable businesses. We're also trying to look at the economy, look at our role and these things that can be harmful and so I love this notion of rehoming is smart, it's safe, let's do it in the beauty industry. And then to your point, there are things, and you mentioned in the beginning, like using your fingers to take things out. There may be some things where rehoming is not the solution, but I love this partnership with PAC Collective. And I think that it starts with the education piece. And I know that you do a lot of education around the Why? and how to do it. And so when I first started looking at Glow, I immediately was like, wait, how can I share my foundation? But the other interesting thing is, I think that we're getting so much more sophisticated with the packaging and the pumps. And we are thinking about our fingers contaminating. We are thinking about going in. And so you have so many categories. Talk about the different categories and kind of what you're seeing trend-wise is where people are looking to to re-home across beauty.
1: Right now, we are seeing a lot of um, limited edition palettes that are being resold. Um, That is a huge category. And also skincare. Because skincare can be super expensive. And of course... If you heard about your favorite influencer talking about, you know, a moisturizer they love, it still might not work out for you. And you've only tried it once or twice. So something like that is, like, perfectly suitable to be resold. Um, and just to address, because I know people are thinking in the back of your head, like, what the heck, like, use beauty products? So the rule is, is a makeup artist can use it safely between clients. You can resell it on Glow. And we don't usually approve anything that's, like, heavily used, but something that's been swatched is mostly okay. Um, And, of course, anything that you cannot sanitize, like a mascara or a lip gloss, you can only sell it new. But the reality is, like, 95% of the things that people are rehoming on Glow are actually brand new. People are just such good consumers in America, and we're all just like great little capitalists that we buy more than we could possibly use. So you'll actually find a ton of new products for steeply discounted prices on our platform.
0: That is great. I noticed that when I was going through. It makes sense, like limited edition or... Um, You're getting something and it's on a great deal. And then you realize that you have five of those. I'm guilty of that. Um, As you you call us little capitalists. Um, And and talk to me about funding because you are building a tech enabled platform. You talk about machine learning. What's been your journey with funding and what advice do you have, especially around this type of innovation? That is a great question. So... um, most of the business
1: so far has been self-funded, and I've also been able to get a loan from friends and family. Um, it honestly hasn't been much, like a hundred thousand dollars. But I am super scrappy and resourceful. I think like my superpower is creative resourcefulness, um, and that probably comes from my background from being like the worst robotic team because we didn't even have a shop we had like a hacksaw and like a drill (laughs) press where the gears had ground through the casing like the outer plastic casing so i'm very good at like seeing something and being like okay what can we cobble together with what we have um so um i have self-taught myself a lot of things to go into this platform for example how to do ux design on figma So I've actually been working on Glow for almost four years now because so much of it has been self-funded. I have been working side jobs to fund what I call my career, which is with (laughs) Glow. So (laughs) i am working retail um, because that also gets me like really, I get to have conversations with customers and ask them a lot of questions. So that keeps me kind of grounded in what's really happening out there. Um, And also I started out doing a lot of background acting. In the beginning days of Glow, where I would do all my work on phone and on sets, because it's a lot of waiting around. However, they do pay you minimum wage to sit around all day. So (laughs) I kind of funneled all that back into my business. And the first outside funding we have is from the accelerator. And now that I have two full-time employees, we have a little bit of runway, but I am actually actively on the fundraising trail right now, which is why I mentioned, yeah, I was like in San Francisco. Then I was in Seattle. And then I'm going to be back in San Francisco in a few weeks. Um, And and yeah, so it's been challenging, especially learning how to fundraise during the pandemic because everything changed. And also in the whole like venture and startup world, there is no one-stop shop where someone's going to teach you how the system works. It is so opaque and it's still very much an extremely biased system i know people talk about like representation in hollywood it's so biased blah 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 and i was like no wait until you hear the numbers in venture capital where women get two percent of the of all funding that goes towards startups um and as a pie gets bigger our slice gets smaller which makes no sense so it's it's been a journey and trying to figure that out as well. It's almost been like an entirely different learning and it's hard to both run everything from an operation side and figure out this whole funding component. But now that I have a team who's like keeping things going, I can kind of focus on expanding my network and, you know, talking to more investors and see who's interested in this space.
0: Well, and, and it is a different, Brain space. Like I think about the fact I'm raising money, I'm investing money, and I'm still operating a company. And so we do have to be able to navigate the different spaces, the conversations while keeping our company afloat. And it's really interesting. I'm so happy that you mentioned that you've been doing this for four years because there is this notion of kind of overnight success and how you've been able to um, tap into your superpower of being creative, creatively resourceful. And so when you think about moving into this next phase, you have now two full-time employees. You mentioned AWS is your first outside funding. You're actively doing a fundraise. Where do you see the, the future of GLOW? What does it look like? What are you tracking towards?
1: The overall vision of Glow is to make it into a natural extension of the beauty consumer journey. So yes, you go to Ulta or Sephora to buy your beauty products, but you also go to Glow to see if you can buy something that is underloved from someone else's home so that you can, one, save money, but also, you know, do your part to reduce the amount of waste that's going out into the world. And on top of that, we will also help you recycle it once you're done with it. Um, And not only that, but we really want to expand into being, I know this sounds very ambitious, but like the largest beauty retailer in America and having the largest, widest variety of premium beauty products, because I really do believe that majority of waste is sitting in people's homes and it's also sitting in brands' warehouses as what's something that's called obsolete inventory. So sometimes they might have a slight misprint on a label. All that stuff is full of perfectly good usable products, but it's just going to sit in a warehouse until they decide, oh, we don't want to store this anymore, and they throw it away. So we want to make sure that the industry is working more efficiently in terms of the resources that they're taking from the earth to produce these things. It actually ends up living out the life it was you know, brought into the world for, um, if that makes sense. And we really hope to be able to eventually help people also manage their sales. So bringing some of the logistics in-house so that we can really be a one-stop shop to even save people money on that flat rate shipping. I know right now you have to pay a flat rate for each seller, but it'd be really awesome if we could have the space and logistics capabilities to just have that all in one location so that you can send everything you don't want and we'll store it for you. Cause I know that as someone who's tried to sell my clothes online, I have a whole closet of things that I've listed, but are just sitting here and we kind of want to take care of that people. Like I know that beauty lovers don't just have like a small drawer of things they don't use anymore. People have entire closets, (laughs) full of stuff that they don't really use anymore. And we just kind of want to make sure that that is something that we can help you with to just kind of relieve any kind of pain point in your journey as a beauty consumer. Like the, our whole, our whole goal is to try and help you bring more joy into your life and reduce any kind of pain that you might have. I know we're not saving lives here, <laughs> but I know that beauty is such an intrinsic part of... You know, our culture and especially for yes. women, like, you know, I w- I've had investors tell me like, oh, but this is just like, it's so trivial. And I'm like, no, it's not because it go- so much of what we need to do as women to present ourselves and to express ourselves lies into our appearances, which totally sucks. Mm-hmm. But I mean, I've watched videos on YouTube where there's like prison makeup hacks. It's important to show up in a way that's authentic to yourself and beauty is a huge part of that. And I don't think that that is so much of a want, but it's very much a need um, in the society
0: that we live in. You know, it is really true. And I think that it's, it can be the reflection of ourselves. And it's really important. One point of clarity that as you were talking, whenever you said we're not saving lives, I think that, you are creating something that actually can help save the planet. And I think when we when we talk about global warming and people have different perspectives, but I do think that it's important that when we think about conscious consumerism and what you're creating and this opportunity to have an alternative, I think that it's really important. And I love that you were so intentional about your vision to be the largest BDB retailer in America, and to really create a a better way of working across the industry. And as you were talking, I'm like, you're exactly right. You print one thing wrong and what happens to all of those products. And when when we think about the economy, you know, we're reading the news reports, we're seeing inflation, we're seeing shopping go down, and, you know, we're lucky in beauty because we still get the benefits of the lipstick effect. And so I think that Glow has such a great opportunity, especially now, to come in and say that you don't have to give up something that just makes you feel good. It's not about self-worth, it's more about, it makes me feel good to put this lipstick on. It makes me feel good to be able to mm-hmm. hack my way through an uncomfortable situation. So I just, I really applaud you. And And I have one more thing that I think I want you to talk about because you are so intentional with your mission. You're also intentional with the name. So you are Glow, G-L-O-U. Yes. And while we may say that the W wasn't available, there's so much intention of how you talk about that you and your Glow community. So talk about the you and your name and your people first culture.
1: Yes. So for me, the most important thing at, at any company, it comes down to the people. And I'm creating this business. It's not for me. And it definitely was not to make money for myself. Because I can tell you, I could, I could go and like get a job anywhere else <laughs> where I can have like a much more like, sane level of existence. <laughs> uh, but I just feel like, There's this entire population of women that's being so overlooked by the tech industry. And I have the skills to like put something together to help them. And it comes down to the people we're serving. So that's why we say we're putting the you in glow because we want at everything we do. It's about the customer. If the customer does not like what we're doing, there's no reason for us to exist. We are here to serve because other people aren't listening to these beauty lovers who just have so much stuff that they're kind of just drowning in a sea of their own products and i just want to say like hi i'm here we're listening to you we're going to make this the best experience for you because that is what you deserve you don't deserve to be wasting hours of your time just trying to like make 60 bucks off of your makeup collection like you deserve to be able to do that and have time to spend with your family and really people's at the center of the people that we bring on to our team as well. Uh, they're all extremely capable and competent, but at the end of the day, they're good human beings. And I'm so proud of my team and they are truly, I'm really lucky to be able to work with them because they could be working anywhere, but we are really joined by this mission of like, doing good in the world in any capacity that we're able to. And yes, we're not like, you know, again, saving lives, but that joy component is really important because that goes into your mental health, which is just as important. We're not doing heart surgery, but we are adding a little bit of joy into your life. And wherever you can find that it's really important to be intentional with how you spend your time. And if you want to spend your time playing with beauty that should be a joyful experience. There should be no part of that journey that is stressful for you. And when you have things that you spent your money on and it's just not working out for you, but you know, it's good. We're, we're here to solve that problem. We're here to remove (laughs) that tiny stress from your life.
0: Um, and, and yeah, so that's kind of why we put the you in glow. I love that. And I love to be of service to others. Like something that we, all have to be mindful of and strive for. And, and so thank you, Karen. This is amazing. I'm so excited to get all of my products up on glow and rehoming. And um, I love what you're building and really revolutionizing the beauty industry through technology and and just seeing a woman in that position is so powerful. So to close out the show, we always like to ask our guests, um, what's one product, which I know you love all your babies. I can't imagine having 700 products in my house like you did when you launched. But if you can pick one product that we should check out, um, make sure that we grab and support.
1: Um, I am currently loving the concealer pencils from Cheekbone Beauty who I know is a founder who has featured on this podcast before. But it was introduced to me um, by a makeup artist that I was working with on a commercial shoot. um, Because, again, I had my side gigs. And it's one of my favorite products ever. And, again, I also love Cheekbone Beauty because they're also very intentional and they're doing good in beauty. Um, So I want to give them a shout out. And it's truly something I use every single day.
0: Oh my gosh. I love that. Yes. Oh, cheekbone B. It's, it's amazing. And I, I, I really, I think there is something to be said about companies and brands that are truly doing good in the world. And you said it, you said it's about doing good in the world. And so I love that shout out. Um, Thank you so much for being here. Cannot wait to see how the site continues to grow and glow. And thank you so much, Karen. Thank you so much for having me, Kendra. This has been so fun.
1: It's been an honor to speak with you. And I can't wait to follow you as
0: well, because I know you're an entrepreneur and watch your progress. And every week I share an influencer I'm checking out. And this week, thanks to Karen, make sure to check out former guest on our show, Jen Harper, founder of Cheekbone Beauty. That is at Cheekbone Beauty. And as always, I want to leave you with one thing from today's guest, and that is how will you do good in the world? Karen talked about that her company is really about bringing joy into our lives as well as doing good in the world. So make sure everything you do is with the notion of doing good and being good in the world. And as always, follow, rate, and subscribe to Business of the Beat on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, or anywhere else you listen to podcasts. You don't want to miss an episode, and we love to hear from you. Leave a five-star rating and a review. Until next week. Business of the Beat is hosted by Kendra Bracken-Ferguson, assistant producer Jenny Salk, executive producer Kendra Bracken-Ferguson, edited by Fish Mar Creative, executive producer Ken Johnson. Find the Business of the Beat podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn, odyssey amazon music or where you get your podcast and on ig at business of the beat business of the beat is a mean old line media production you've worked hard for what you have your money your assets your 401k and home isn't it all worth protecting
1: nearly one in four consumers have been a victim of identity theft lifelock ultimate plus helps protect your finances with up to three million dollars in reimbursement